Let's talk Tanya for the 19th of Cheshvan. Today we begin a new chapter, chapter 29, and the larger message of this chapter is going to be the importance of halacha, and specifically of studying halacha, studying Jewish law. Halacha holds a distinguished and prominent place within Torah itself, within the larger body of Torah. For example, we know the Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavis, the Ishtamish Bitaga Chalaf. It talks about the harsh consequences for someone who uses the crown. What is the crown? So the Talmud tells us that the crown is someone who studies and teaches the laws, the halachas of Torah, because the laws of Torah are the crown of Torah. So you're not allowed to make use of a person who's a teacher of halacha. It doesn't say that about someone who teaches other parts of Torah. There's something special about the halachas of Torah. It's called the crown of Torah. We also know something we say in davening every single day, someone who, who learns halachas every single day is guaranteed a portion of the world to come. Once again, halacha, specifically halacha. What is the uniqueness and specialty of halacha? So the answer to that question will emerge as we continue in this chapter. But first, Nalta Rebbe takes us in a somewhat different direction. The Arizal tells us that every single Jewish soul needs to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. Um, with the exception of those mitzvahs which are done by the Jewish king, the Jewish monarch, which the king does on behalf of all of Kuala Yisrael, all the Jewish people. But everyone else has to do all 613. And if a person doesn't do all 613, that's where reincarnation comes into play. The person has to come down once again because every person needs all 613. Why? So the Arizal says, because everyone of the mitzvahs provides a garment for one organ or one limb of the soul. We know that our body is made up of 613 components, and that um, corresponds to the soul, which also has 613 spiritual components, and every mitzvah serves as a garment for one, um, one aspect of the soul, and we can't be missing a garment. And the obvious question is, why do we need garments? And what is the, why, 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 does the, why does our soul need garments? And what, what's the problem if uh, we're missing a garment? Salter Rebbe explains. We know that after 120 years, a person goes up and goes up to Gan Eden, to paradise, and experiences over there the bliss and the pleasure which comes from basking in the radiance of God. Now, this radiance of God, which is in Gan Eden, is so intense, is so powerful, that the only way that the neshama can tolerate and bear this incredible bliss is if it has garments, you might want to say it needs protective gear because without the protective gear, just the light is, is too intense. What is the garment made out of? Dr. Rebbe says, in order for a garment to be able to protect against this light, against the divine energy, the garment actually needs to be made up of this energy itself. A, um, a lesser strain of this energy, a weakened or diluted strain of this energy, that can protect you against the full-blown energy that exists in Gan Eden. You know, the example that I like to give for this is a vaccine, but a vaccine in reverse, because it's not a vaccine usually is protecting you against something which is harmful. But the theory behind the vaccine is that you take a, um, a very diminished strain of a disease and you... Uh, you actually you, 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 put it, you put it into the body, and that develops the body's resistance to it. The same concept over here is that we have the, um, 
we have this great light, and in order to develop the body's resistance or protection that it should be able to tolerate this light, we need a garment which is made up of that light. So what is the garment that is made up of the light of Ganeda? That we'll find out in the next two days of Let's Talk Tanya.